Good morning and welcome to worship at St. Andrew Lutheran Church. Today is the 13th Sunday after the festival of Pentecost. In our worship service today, we see that God's, uh, his love, his salvation is for all people. As we read the Bible, we see it in the Old Testament, the, the first half, but actually uh, by volume in the Bible, it's about the first three-fourths or three-fifths of, of the Bible's uh, volume. Uh, that in the Old Testament, before Jesus the Savior came, that God's focus was on one nation, the people of Israel. And that's not because God doesn't love all people, uh, but because, by and large, um, most of the peoples of the world had abandoned the knowledge and worship of the true God and, and trust in his promise of the Savior, and they had uh, worshipped false gods that they made for themselves either uh, literally made statues, uh, idols of, of wood and, and stone and, and precious jewels, metals that they would bow down to and worship, or at least uh, in their minds they came up with these ideas of many different gods of the sun and moon and stars and earth and water that they would worship instead of the one true God who created all of these things. And so in order to preserve the knowledge of the true God and the promise of the Savior, God specially protected and blessed and also punished the people of Israel when they went astray uh, away from his truth to bring them back to that message of his truth. But then we see that when the promised Savior came, Jesus, God makes it even more clear than he had throughout the Old Testament that this salvation, the forgiveness of sins, is not just for the Jewish people. It is for all people. And we see that in the New Testament kind of gradually uh, being revealed. In the Gospel reading today, we see a non-Jewish woman, a, a woman from the region to the north of the Jewish lands in, in Palestine and Israel, who came to Jesus and requested that Jesus uh, grant her a, a special blessing, a miracle to, to heal her sick daughter. And Jesus challenges her and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But she continues to, uh, in humility, to ask for this blessing from Jesus. And Jesus praises her faith. Uh, he holds her up as an example, even among the Jewish people, God's chosen people, that this foreign woman had greater faith than all who were present. Even when being challenged by Jesus, she still persisted, trusting in God's blessing, trusting in God's mercy. And so we see in the Old Testament reading that we'll focus on in the sermon this morning, that this message, in fact, uh, was always the, the promise of God throughout the Old Testament, that God's love and salvation are for all people, that when the Savior comes, he will not just be the Savior of the Jewish people, but for all people. And for those of us who are not ethnically Jewish, that is good news for us Gentiles, non-Jewish people. We worship our God this morning around that theme, God's salvation extends to all beginning with our opening hymn, Seek Where You May to Find a Way, on page 3 in the service folder. May God bless our worship.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins by the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your gift of grace that we can come into your presence and offer true and faithful service. Grant that our worship on earth may always be pleasing to you, and in the life to come, give us the fulfillment of what you have promised. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading from Isaiah chapter 56 serves as the basis for our meditation in the sermon this morning. So we'll continue now with the psalm of the day, Psalm 67, 
as printed on pages 6 and 7 in the service folder. The second reading from God's Word for our meditation this morning is written in the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Here the Apostle Paul is writing to both ethnically Jewish and ethnically non-Jewish or Gentile Christians who, again, as we mentioned at the beginning of the service, before the coming of the Savior, because of the laws God uh, gave to his people in the Old Testament, God commanded the Jewish people to remain separate from non-Jewish people. Again, not out of prejudice, but out of God's desire to keep them separate from the idolatrous worship of uh, virtually all of the non-Jewish peoples, except for those who, through faith in the true God, had become part of the Jewish people. But now, because Jesus the Savior has come, God's will is for all believers, whether ethnically Jewish or non-Jewish, to be united as one people through faith in the one Savior. And so this is especially good news for us who are, uh, perhaps most of us, uh, not Jewish by ethnicity, but through the blood of the Savior that has washed away all of our sins through faith in the Savior Jesus. We are now members of God's family and citizens of his heavenly kingdom. We read now from Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. 
He made the two groups one by destroying the wall of hostility that divided them when he abolished the law of commandments and regulations in his flesh. He did this to create in himself one new person out of the two, in this way making peace. And he did this to reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by putting the hostility to death on it. He also came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. The verse of the day is from Hebrews chapter 4. Alleluia! The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Alleluia. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel for this 13th Sunday after Pentecost is written in the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 15. Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. There a Canaanite woman from that territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, Send her away, because she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt in front of him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you, just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you. Please be seated as we join to sing the hymn of the day, When in the Hour of Utmost Need, on page 9 in the service folder.
The portion of God's word for our special meditation this morning is the first reading from Isaiah chapter 56, verses 1 and 6 through 8. You can find those verses printed on pages 5 and 6 in the service folder if you wish to follow along as I read them now. This is what the Lord says, Protect justice and carry out righteousness, because my salvation is coming very soon. My righteousness is ready to be revealed. Then the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord and to become his servants, every one of them who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, those who take hold of my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain and I will make them glad in my house of prayer. Their whole burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples of the world. This is the declaration of God, the Lord, who gathers Israel's dispersed people. I will gather still more people to my house besides the ones already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How open are you to those who are not like you? How well have we remembered and embraced God's mission for us to gather disciples from all nations, from all peoples and ethnicities? Are we perhaps more exclusive in our thoughts or or words or actions than our inclusive God is? Today we learn from the prophet Isaiah about God's salvation. And Isaiah's name itself means the Lord saves or the salvation of the Lord. The universal scope of God's salvation is also echoed in the psalm of the day that we just sang some verses from, Psalm 67, where we prayed, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us May your ways be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. The prophet Isaiah has sometimes been called the evangelist or the the gospel writer of the Old Testament. And that's because again and again throughout his book of prophecy, he uh, opens the invitation of God's salvation to all people. Just a couple of weeks ago, we heard at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 55, uh, these beginning with a, a rather interesting word to call people, hey, all of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Even if you have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Again and again, in in so many other places in Isaiah's book of prophecy, he he seems to know and to proclaim in advance the New Testament teaching that God wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. And that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here in this reading from Isaiah 56, we clearly see that the house of God is open to all people. Now we say that so easily, let's stop and think about the implications of that statement. The gospel is open 
even to those who are most despised and looked down upon by society today. God is concerned about people of all cultures and national backgrounds. God loves all people, regardless of of race or, or physical, mental, or spiritual condition. God loves the educated and the uneducated. He wants his good news of salvation through Jesus to go out to both rich and poor, to the disabled, the deaf, and the blind. All people are invited to come to the house of God where he dwells with his love and forgiveness and salvation. In this section, Isaiah offers hope for those who were traditionally excluded from God's people and from God's house of worship, the temple in Jerusalem. Gentiles, foreigners, uh, those who were not physically or biologically the descendants of Abraham, were all welcome to God's house in these words of the prophet Isaiah. We read in in the Old Testament that when God's people came back to their homeland out of captivity in Babylon, God told them to to bring along with them as many of their neighbors from Babylon as they could persuade to come with them and to become a part of God's chosen people. And God promised to make room for as many as would come in his house. He even offered assistance to bring them in. In verse 7 of our reading, he says, I will bring them to my holy mountain. And there is no hint throughout the Bible of a change to that policy that says, if they want to come, let them come. All are welcome. God not only welcomes people, but he also gives them the power and ability to come. He not only shows people the way, he also leads them and draws them to himself. As David prayed in Psalm 43, Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to your dwelling. There on God's holy mountain where God dwells, there the people who come will know of the joy of the acceptance and favor of God. They will also know, as we read here in Isaiah 56, that the joy of having their burnt offerings and their sacrifices and their ministries accepted by God. They're called on to join themselves to God as their king, to join themselves to God as as soldiers loyally follow their favored general. They will both love the Lord and serve him. They'll become part of God's royal priesthood of believers a calling that has been given to all of us by Jesus. Gentiles, non-Jewish people, are no longer strangers and and foreigners to God's people and to God's promises, as we read in in the second reading today from Ephesians chapter 2. No, instead, they are also fellow heirs and citizens of God's heavenly kingdom. Salvation is the gift of God's grace. God's unconditional love for undeserving sinners like you and me. God promises that his salvation is coming soon. For the people of Israel who were in captivity in Babylon, one form of that salvation in in the short term was to be able to return to their homeland out of that land of captivity. It It would be a deliverance so great, God promised, a deliverance so great that the great exodus from Egypt where God uh, 
sent plagues upon plagues on the people of Egypt and Pharaoh for, for not letting the Israelites go and then delivered them through the waters of the Red Sea on dry ground, God says as great as those acts of deliverance were at the time of the Exodus, his rescue of his people from captivity in Babylon would be far, far greater. God says through Isaiah in chapter 43, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. For centuries, God's people had remembered and celebrated the deliverance of, that God had, had, uh, had given to his people from that slavery in Egypt. But now they would experience God's power and salvation firsthand, not just of remembering what had been done for their ancestors centuries ago. And that's what God would have us do as well. As the evangelist of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah points to the coming one, the coming Savior, who would save the whole world from the penalty that their sins deserved. Isaiah knew well and understood the corrupting power of sin. Way back in the beginning of his book of prophecy, Isaiah, God called Isaiah to speak to a sinful nation of people loaded with guilt. And Isaiah himself, when God calls him, admits to, to being a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. And Isaiah was bold enough and humble enough to say that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And that's our nature because of the sinful nature that we have inherited from our parents that corrupts even the good things that we desire to do. But God is gracious. For us, God sends the Messiah, the Savior, about whom Isaiah prophesies in, in those well-known words of chapter 53, that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, even though these words were written more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus and his suffering and death upon the cross, these words make us feel that the prophet Isaiah himself had stood there at the foot of the cross seeing Jesus being pierced for our transgressions and being crushed for our iniquities and seeing Almost literally, God laying on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Jesus suffered the pain and the torment that we deserve for our sins. He died. He was buried. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And God tells us now that in Jesus, our living and risen Savior, God has established a new covenant with us. It's not a covenant like the old covenant that God established with his people through Moses on Mount Sinai, where God said, you obey me and I will bless you. A covenant that ultimately, as we see throughout the history of the Old Testament and in our lives today, 
a covenant that is impossible for us to keep as God demands perfectly. Rather, this new covenant that God has established with us through Jesus is a covenant of pure grace based on the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has won for all people. And so in Jeremiah chapter 31, God says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By faith in Jesus who died for us and who was raised back to life for us, we have been clothed with garments of salvation. So Isaiah writes in chapter 61, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. And as we, based on these truths, sing in that cherished hymn, Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Thank God that he has had mercy on us. And his desire is to have mercy on all people. He wants all people, whether Jews or or Gentiles, to be saved. His love extends not only to the good and upright, but his love extends also to the, the, the lowest of the low, to the worst of the worst. to to criminals, to murderers, to drug addicts and prostitutes. His love extends to the poor, to the disabled, to the deaf and the blind, to to those whomever society looks down upon, and to those whom society holds in high regard. All are alike loved equally by God through Jesus the Savior. Isaiah tells us that the Lord God gathers the outcasts of society. A special interest to us today is that during Jesus' earthly ministry, open sinners heard him gladly and repented of their sins and and followed him, thankful to God for his forgiveness and his welcome. Jesus taught people how to be accepted by God through the Heavenly Father's grace. And when some of the self-righteous people of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, criticized Jesus for associating with sinners and eating with them, Jesus explained to them his mission. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And he also told them the parables of the shepherd who left the 99 sheep behind in the pasture to search for the one lost sheep. And of the woman who diligently searched her house high and low to find the one lost coin. And of the father who ran down the road to meet his returning prodigal son. Jesus taught people that there is great rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner who repents and believes in Jesus as his Savior. How he must rejoice when we repent of our sins of exclusiveness and and pride and, and looking down on others for their sins, he empowers us to become more inclusive in our outreach to people. He forgives our sins. He enables us to amend our sinful lives and to follow his will, motivated by his love for us through Jesus. Not only does God gather the outcasts, 
He is concerned about those who are still outside, who are still beyond those whom he has already gathered. Not only did Jesus say, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, but he also said, I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Both the gathered and the scattered are to receive the invitation to come to the house of God. The Father's house, as Isaiah writes here in chapter 56, verse 7, is a house of prayer for all people. And so there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, as the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, because the same Lord is Lord of all, who gives generously to all who call on him. Yes, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's interesting that at the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, the the temple where the immediate area around the temple was restricted to only Jewish people, nevertheless, at the dedication of that temple, King Solomon, in his dedicatory prayer, asked God that God would hear in heaven and grant the foreigners' prayer, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people, Israel. And so not just in the New Testament, but throughout the whole Bible, we see that God's salvation extends to all. God's will is that the invitation to his house be issued without excluding anyone. The house of God is not our house, It's not for us to reject people and forbid entry to people, but it is God's house. And he equips us to invite others to come with us to the house of the Lord. Let's go and do it. Amen. Please stand. And we join to confess the Christian faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed as printed beginning at the bottom of page 9 in the service folder. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated as we give offerings from thankful hearts to our Savior God.
Please stand for prayer. We continue with the responsive prayer of the church, beginning at the bottom of page 11 in the service folder. And I suppose my apologies, but now that you're standing, uh, we'll continue with the prayer and then circle back to sing the hymn after that prayer. We pray. O Lord, our God, you are wise and powerful, good and gracious. Your mercies are new every morning. Each day you open your hand and provide for the needs of your children on earth. Strengthen your church in all the world. Let your comforting message of salvation in Christ Jesus be proclaimed to troubled souls everywhere. We bring you our requests for the various structures of our society. Bless our national, state, and local governments. Grant prosperity to our businesses and industries. Give employers a sense of fairness toward their workers and employees a feeling of joy and pride in their workmanship. Invigorate the schools of our land. Give success to every effort that helps students read, think, and communicate in ways that will promote an informed and responsible citizenry. Arouse curious minds to discover the wonders of your created order. Strengthen the families of our country. Give fathers and mothers a renewed commitment to be good parents. Give children and young people the wisdom to regard their parents as your representatives. Lord of the nations, it is your desire to see the message of the gospel reach the ends of the earth. Bless the plans of the Hmong Fellowship Church in Vietnam and grant success to the efforts of the missionaries, pastors, and members as they carry out your great commission. We thank you for the building that you have provided where present and future generations can study the scriptures. Use the Theological Education Center to train leaders who can share your grace and peace with among people. We boldly make this request in the name of Jesus. Amen. And dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing on our brother in Christ, Jason, uh, who has been uh, recovering at home this past week after the previous week of uh, receiving daily chemotherapy infusions in the hospital. We pray for your blessing on Jason as he has been experiencing some uncomfortable side effects from the chemotherapy. We ask that you would watch over him and uh, relieve the, uh, the discomfort and the pain from the side effects of that treatment. And we ask for your blessing on that treatment, that it would be effective in its intended goal of fighting the lymphoma uh, with which Jason has been diagnosed. We also ask for these same blessings on our brother, Rich, uh, who began receiving his chemotherapy treatment this past Thursday and is uh, similarly uh, feeling unwell from side effects of that treatment. We pray also for your relief for him, uh, that you would uh, give him relief from uh, from nausea and uh, from any pain or discomfort he may be feeling, and that he would strengthen him, um, not only physically, but also spiritually. So we ask for this blessing for Jason and Rich and 
uh, for Mary Lou, the friend and neighbor of our sister in Christ, Mary Lou, as she also undergoes treatment for cancer. We ask for your blessing on Mario, the father of our brother in Christ, Brian, as Mario uh, also is preparing to begin uh, radiation therapy for the cancer that he has been diagnosed with. We ask for your blessing on that treatment. We pray also for your blessing on Gordon, the son-in-law of our sister in Christ, Dora, as Gordon has been diagnosed with liver cancer. And we pray for your blessing on him and uh, whatever treatment he may receive for that. We ask for your blessing on all these brothers and sisters in faith, that you would strengthen their faith in you as their loving Heavenly Father, that you would strengthen their faith in, in the assurance that Jesus, your Son, their Savior, and our brother, has fully forgiven all of their sins, that he has fully completed their salvation, that there is nothing left to be done because Jesus has done it all, and that your promises will never, never fail for them to be with them and to bless them and never to leave them or forsake them. We pray for this strengthening for each one of them and for all their loved ones and family members. We ask that you would hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Gracious Father, we pray boldly as Jesus taught, with the confidence that you will hear, and with the faith that you will respond for our welfare. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And you may be seated as we now go back and join to sing the hymn on page 11, O for a faith that will not shrink.
And please stand as you're able. We continue on page 13 with a prayer and blessing. O Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation and bestow on us your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. And you may be seated as we join to sing our closing hymn, In Christ There is No East or West, on page 14 in the service folder. Good morning again and welcome to all of you. It's a joy to hear God's word together with you and to sing praises and pray to him together as one people united by faith in Jesus our Savior. Just a couple of announcements uh, closely related to that theme of our last hymn this morning and our worship. Um, in the Together newsletter uh, that's included as an insert in your service folder, uh, it notes the visit of leaders from our now sister church body in Uganda in Africa uh, who visited and uh, uh, met with some of the leaders of our church body, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, and 
uh, visited our seminary and, and college of ministry in, in Minnesota. Uh, so we certainly uh, rejoice and give thanks to God for that blessing of fellowship that we are united in faith in Jesus and in all the, the truths of God's word with those brothers and sisters in faith uh, on the other side of the world that we've never met before and perhaps never will meet in this life, uh, but we know by God's promise that we will meet and, and join with them in heaven in praising God around his throne uh, at whatever time he calls us there through faith in Jesus our Savior. Um, also, the new Meditations Daily Devotion Booklet is available, and those devotions begin today uh, from August 27th, and there are still some of the, uh, the previous quarter's booklet if you would like to pick one of those up as well. Uh, so there's just a, a short uh, one-page devotion for each day of, of the coming three months uh, with a, a short uh, Bible passage and then a, a meditation and application of that Bible passage to our lives, the truths of God's Word and then a short prayer to close out that meditation. Uh, so if you haven't made use of these in your personal devotions yet, I invite you to pick up a copy from the information rack in the center entryway as you leave today, um, and, and uh, try to incorporate those, uh, just a brief time of prayer and meditation on God's Word each day. Um, also, next Sunday I'll be out of town again for my cousin's wedding uh, near Washington, D.C., and so a friend of our congregation, Christian Willick, who is now pastor of our sister church in Resurrection Aurora, will be here uh, leading the worship for me, uh, for us, uh, uh, next Sunday in, in my place. Um, and as it's Labor Day weekend, Christian has some other plans, so uh, he will hit the road shortly after the worship service, after a time of fellowship. So we'll, our adult Bible study will go on pause next Sunday, uh, but we'll continue after that. Uh, so invite all of you to, to attend next Sunday if you are in town and greet Christian, our, our brother in Christ, and now uh, pastor in our fellowship here. Um, also, everyone is welcome to stay for a time of fellowship today after the worship service, and then all are, are welcome to stay for our adult Bible study as we continue studying the series, Ten Lies About God. So everyone's welcome to, to jump in at any point for that Bible study. Even if you haven't uh, joined us before, uh, you'll be able to, to easily um, uh, step in and, and uh, join the discussion and study of God's Word. And our Sunday school and youth confirmation class will be resuming after Labor Day. And so um, if you have Sunday school age children from age 3 all the way up through 8th grade, uh, you're welcome to bring them for Sunday school. And older children, high school age and older, are, are welcome to join us for adult Bible study. And then youth confirmation class will also resume. Uh, we haven't set the day of the week yet, but usually it's on a weekday evening. And that's open to uh, children in grades 5 through 8 or high school age children who haven't yet been confirmed in the Lutheran Church. And so if you have a new student in mind, uh, please speak with me and, and I'll be sure to, to be in touch with their parents for scheduling that confirmation class. May God bless you the rest of this day and this coming week.